I wonder this morning if some people chose not to come because they, they know the topic. I don't believe so. I could as well this morning not preach on the sin of gluttony, but preach on another topic, and that is fasting and prayer. Do you realize that these are related topics? Uh, and the common thing in both of them is food is a common denominator. And so this morning, I'd like to look at the sin of gluttony. And uh, if there is a sermon that I found difficult to prepare, let me be honest with you, it is this one. Because I know God calls gluttony sin, but what does it look like? Because I personally, with all these sins, I try to self-identify. And I've told you on all the sins I've found that I have a little of all of them. But on the sin of gluttony, I was not too sure because I don't overeat. And so it's very easy to say, no, I don't think I have the sin of gluttony. And so one of those first sermons that I didn't know where I'm going to end up at. And is there enough substance to preach for 35, 40 minutes? I didn't have a clue. But this morning, uh, I do have something to share with you. And I'm surprised as to how much in the Bible gluttony is mentioned. And so, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to make a lot of disclaimers. I want to be very sensitive about this topic. But I have to speak the truth. And that's why I have prayed a bit about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not. And what does your version say? Oh, good. Some people's versions say, but I will not be dominated by it mastered by it, but I like the phrase enslaved in it. I will not be a slave to it. Look at verse 13. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. Now, look at the combination of things that are mentioned when it talks about the body. Brings up another sin that you and I very easily can identify, and that is sexual immorality. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Go to verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. And what that next couple of verses is talking about is very simple. If you have sexual relationships outside marriage, it's much more than about sex. You have just, in some ways, married the one that you had sex with. So sex, all sex is within the context of marriage. So if you sleep with someone, just guess what happened? You just married that person. And so it's more than about sex, it's about the body. And notice that talking about food and sex, 
And they're both called what? An overindulgence or being in the wrong place? It's called sin. Go to verse 18. Well, you got your Bible. Just look at that. I want to move to 19. Do you not know? And this is the key we're going to focus on this morning. It's, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on food. I think there are greater things that God talks about. Do you not know that your body is the temple of God, of the Holy Spirit, within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. So folks, here's where I'd like us to think this morning. Your body is not your own. Did you realize that? Whose is it? It's God's. Who lives in your body? The Holy Spirit. It is a sacred temple. And the Word of God says, so glorify God with your body. If He's living in your body, make it a place that He is being glorified. Let me give you a very practical example. Your car is not your own, it is the Lord's. And if Jesus said this morning, after the service is over, I'd like to ride with you. What is the condition of the inside of your car this morning? Any tissues lying around? Any spilt soda? If you ran your finger on the dashboard, is there any dust? You'll find some of this in my car. What's my point? If Jesus were going to ride with me, you think I'll clean up a little? Yes. Because I want to glorify God with the gifts that he's given me, be it the car or now. Let me ask you the question. If God is living in your body, should you take care of your body? Notice I'm not talking about food. I would even say, live clean. Why? Not, I don't care about whether you smell or not, but because it's the body of Christ. So it's not about food. Food is a symptom. It's more about why. And in this case, it is, it is because it is the body and the temple of God. The sin of gluttony. Do you know that obesity kills more people in America than guns? Obesity kills more people in America than tobacco. Obesity kills more people in America than accidents. You know, there are churches that in America uh, tell you that if you drink alcohol, you're not allowed to come into this church. How many churches say, if you have the sin of gluttony, we will discipline you? We don't consider that a sin. Some of you are wondering, what's he saying? What I'm saying is, we identify some things as sin. Sexual immorality, oh, we'll all agree it's sin. We'll agree that gossip is sin, lying is sin, laziness is sin. We have not accepted the fact that being a glutton, and we're going to see what it looks like, is a sin 
that God hates. And as I said, part of my problem this morning, not my problem, my discomfort in preaching this morning is not because I don't know what I'm going to be preaching about is. I have a feeling maybe three-fourths of us in this congregation are guilty of that sin. Before I speak to you what God's laid on my heart, here's a question, and I don't want you to answer. I tried it in the first service, and people blurted out the answer. So there's the confessions of the preacher this morning. Anyone under the age of 18, not including members of my family, do you know what this is? Under 18. Unless you think you're under 18. Excellent. It's a shoehorn. One of the things I recently bought, much to the embarrassment of my family. <laughs> it's part fun because I don't mind they laughing at me, which they do even when I'm serious. When I go home after a typical Sunday morning, I get corrected on some pronunciations and stuff like that. I'm not going to change on something, so I'm going to enjoy it. And if you want to laugh at me, you live longer. Do you know that laughing extends life? So I discover many reasons why God created me. So part of what I've discovered is, you notice this morning I'm not wearing a jacket, very intentionally. I've learned that you can cover up a lot by wearing loose clothes and the truth this morning is, if you take a side profile, I've got excess fat here. And I'm going to make this a light morning because I'm going to start on me. Uh, so here's a practical problem I have. Bending down to tie my shoelaces, I've got to do it sideways. Till I discovered, and I, why didn't I think about this earlier? You can buy a shoehorn. And thanks in America, they sell big ones. <laughs> I mean, if I were in India, I'd probably get one that is this small, and that would serve. But how easy now. You don't have to even bend. You can put your shoes on. Steve is not at all impressed. <laughs> but let me tell you about myself. I am guilty of this sin. And I've treated it lightly, but it is not funny. And I hope I would take it more seriously. I don't eat right. Uh, I don't eat breakfast. It's too much work for me. It's laziness, actually. Because if you can cook me a good breakfast, eggs, bacon, peppers, I will enjoy it. But rather than eat it, Skipping is easier for me. If I eat one meal in the afternoon, I'm good for the day. That's not healthy. I believe in a menu of seafood. Whatever I see, I'll enjoy. And I've got away by the grace of God without paying for it. And it's only recently that I've started to put on weight so I'm telling you about myself uh, to say I have to come to the point where this is not just funny. T 
until I can acknowledge the fact that this is sin, I don't think there'll be the brokenness of repentance. Because I'm not all that overweight. I can still run and do stuff. But for me to acknowledge that this is sin, I am not taking care of the temple of God, and it's less about me, but it's more about God. I am not bringing glory to God. I wanted to put up there in front of you so that this morning, I want you to still like me after I finish preaching. Most Sunday mornings, I don't care about whether you like me or not because I'm preaching the Word of God. If it fits you, great. If it doesn't, great. But I know this morning that in this church and in North America, this isn't, has become an acceptable sin. We've given it different names just so that we wouldn't get offended. I'm thinking of Debbie Fleming's mother. If you were here for Debbie Fleming's funeral, there was one lady who sat right there who said something hilarious. Because Debbie Fleming's mother told you things as it is. Even when she, before she lost her, her mind in terms of dementia. There was this one lady and she gave testimony. She said, I went and visited Debbie's mom, Anna. And she wore something nice that day. And Debbie's mom turned to her and said, you are looking so good today. And she tried to be modest about it. Bounced the compliment off. And this is what she told Anna. She said, but I feel fat. You know what Debbie's mom said? Then go do something about it. You know what? She spoke the truth. We've changed vocabulary today so that we can live with it. People like me have decided it's easier to wear loose clothing. Then do something about it. And this morning, the word of God calls gluttony what? A sin. So let's look at some very interesting statistics. In America, two out of every three people are overweight. One out of three are not overweight by a couple of pounds, but obese, which means seriously over ideal weight. Here's a more saddening statistic. 33% of all school children in the United States are now considered overweight or obese. Think about it. One third of our children are obese or overweight. The cost of dealing with obesity in America is $100 billion with a B annually. And what they say is with $100 billion, you can solve the problem of starvation in the world. Do you know that there are people dying today all over the world because they couldn't eat a meal? Think about it. You will not die if you don't eat for 30, 40 days, as long as you're drinking fluids. I'm talking about fasting. You can fast for 30, 40 days and nothing will happen to you. You will not die. You can live without food. There are people dying because there's no food. That's why God takes this seriously and calls it sin. Give you two historical facts. 
uh, one about the Anabaptists and then about the Today Baptist. We are a Baptist church. Do you know our roots go back to the 15th and 16th century, starting in Switzerland, where the Anabaptist movement started off with? These are people who believed in the Word of God. They were going to be very radical, and Anna means re-baptized. And so listen to what they did. They, during the doctrinal statement that they came up, which is called the Schlethaim Confession, they added a congregational confession for churches. Listen to what confession number six is all about. All gluttony shall be avoided among the brothers who are gathered in the congregation. Serve a soup or a minimum of vegetables and meat, for eating and drinking are not part of the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a question. In how many churches in their doctrinal statement or in their constitution does it say, we will discipline congregate members for the sin of gluttony? On other sins, we say we're going to take action, isn't it? If you lived immorally and you were not going to repent, we'll talk to you about it. If we found out that you're sinning and gossiping around the place, we will talk to you about it. How many times have you heard a church talk to their people because of gluttony? We don't do that. And I'm just showing you how times have changed. The Anabaptist. Let me talk to you about the Today Baptist. Do you know we get more people out at a church dinner than for prayer? We can entice you with food and you respond. And all that I'm saying is food has become, rather than being a blessing, it's almost a curse. Now, don't get me wrong, I love church fellowship. Because it serves the purpose of building relationships. And we are going to do a family dinner night one day. But I'm just making the point to you that we as Christians today have the wrong theology on food. We don't call overeating sin. And like Pavlo's dogs, we respond to food in unhealthy ways. And so this morning, let's look at how God views all of this. When we look at it, I want this morning to be less about food because in some ways I don't care what we eat. That's, that's there. But this is more than about food. And it's more than just about weight. And I want you to know this morning how sensitive I am to the fact that for some people it's a biological medical issue. You've tried everything you can, but it's not working. Uh, sometimes you go through periods. I know for sure women have it harder. That's why we men, at least me, have all the more reason to work at it because it's easier for men to lose weight. Uh, and to, So I want to be sensitive about it. And so I don't want it to be a focus on food, habits, etc., but bring it to a better place to encourage you to look at this from a totally different perspective, and that is you have the privilege and the honor of being the temple of God. How do you like that? God could have lived anywhere. But not only has he saved you, he says, 
You're good enough for me to live in you. You are good looking. You're worthy of my habitation. So can I come and live with you? That's a different focus, isn't it? Rather than guilting us of sin and moving us this morning, I hope once you're convicted of the sin, there's another motivation for you, and that is, I want to take care of my body, which is the temple of God. It's more than just about an issue of weight. It's more than about food. Tied to gluttony is laziness. You will find that no sin stands by itself. It needs other supports for it to survive. And in this case, laziness is one of the reasons gluttony flourishes. About the Cretans, uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, Titus, I believe, didn't have too much nice things to say about the Cretans. And this is what Titus 1.12 says, The Cretans are always liars. Talk, talk about saying bad things about a group of people. They're always liars. They are evil beasts. They are lazy gluttons. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 has a great principle that I think the government of America should have as a policy. You know what First, Second Thessalonians 3.10 says? We give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not doesn't say let him go on to the food stamp program. doesn't say then go and ask your church for uh, Sure, if you've tried all efforts to get work and you are willing to work any job, if you're not willing to work any job and you're just being lazy, you know what the Word of God says? You don't have to eat. Anyhow, you're not going to die in 30 days. So tied to eating is the whole concept of don't be lazy. Because laziness leads to the sin and also other sins. I want you to know that the sin is one of the flesh. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Let me pause for a moment because I hope All that I'm trying us to do this morning is for us to get intentional about our lives, to change the way we think, because I think we've settled into a kind of thinking that's not biblical. And if you can change the way you think and look at this whole thing, I think you'll bring about changes in your life. If we say that, not if we say, if God says gluttony is sin, where does sin come from? Who is the author of sin? Satan. Last Sunday I said, if you hang on to anger, what did Scripture say? Do not let the sun go down on your anger because it would give Satan a foothold. You allow him into your life and once you give him a foothold, what will he do? Turn you amok. You probably never thought about it. I didn't. So let me share a thought with you. If gluttony is a sin, what is Satan using in our lives as the tool to get in? Did you realize that? He can bait you with food to cause you to sin. Food is not a sin. Don't get me wrong. 
And he is so smart to use good things that God has created and perverting it into sin. So would you consider the fact that some of us have become victims to sin through a good thing called food? And I hope that changes your perspective. Matthew chapter 4 is the temptation of Jesus Christ. What was one of the temptations when he was hungry? What did Satan come and say? Turn these stones into bread. Turn it into food. You notice how Jesus was tempted? With what? Food. And he had to resist that temptation. Wouldn't that make a difference, right? To look at the way we eat and say, subtly, he might be tempting me. I've never looked at it that way, right? Because when I see a variety of food, when I go to a buffet place, there are a couple of things I'm thinking about. Hey, for that amount of money, so much food, that's a good deal. Secondly, look at the variety of food out there. Good deal. Doesn't cross my mind. You're just entering into a place of temptation and Satan could cause you to sin. And it has nothing to do with whether you put on weight or not. You eat too much, you've just sinned. You with me? And so it's a sin of the flesh. It's really not about food, people. The root is indiscipline. It is a spiritual problem. It is not a problem of the appetite. If gluttony is a sin, joining Weight Watchers is not the solution. It might be. If it works for you, great. But notice I haven't talked anything about weight so far, whether you're overweight or not. The root of the problem is that we don't have Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 working in us. What is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23? It talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Great list, right? They're all spiritual stuff. You know what verse 23 says? Gentleness and self-control. Tied to gluttony and laziness, what's the root problem? Indiscipline. You don't have self-control. Self-control comes not because you just will your mind to say, you know what, I'm going to decide and I'm going to get into a habit. It'll last only a little while. If you're a weak-willed person, You know what you should rely on, everyone should rely on, is the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, when the Word of God is working in your life, you will have self-control, not because you tried to do it, but the fruit of the Spirit starts to fruit within you. You with me? That's why God expects us to do something about the sin. And for our sake, He's given us His Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit, where does this Holy Spirit live? Okay, think very literally with me. This is not, this is not all that complicated. We are the temple of God. Where does the Holy Spirit reside? Within us. 
The more Holy Spirit is working in my life with the word of God. What happens to us? Fruit happens. Yeah, fruit. If you want a slogan for your car, fruit happens. And so the more spirit you have in you, self-control becomes part of your life. So if gluttony is a problem, you know where you should be focusing at? Am I in the word? Am I being convicted by God's word? See, if you're not convicted by God's word, we wouldn't be talking about gluttony this morning, isn't it? We would just be living and saying, ah, it's a health problem. No, it's more than that. But in that health problem, in the gluttonous problem, in the laziness problem, I want you to know the secret is not a diet program. Oh, that might help the symptoms. That might make you look good. The issue and the secret is the Holy Spirit can not only help you with this sin, can help you with all sins. You're an angry person. What do you need? The Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit gives you the fruit of love, joy, peace, gentle kindness, all those lovely things. So don't try to psych yourself to become a better person. There's an easier way out. Be a Christian. Live like a Christian. Think like a Christian. Feed like a Christian on God's word and God's spirit. Do you know that this is the sin of the wealthy? Do you know in poor countries, they don't have a problem with obesity? Ever thought about it? Look at some of the African countries of the world. This is a sin of the rich countries. Because what? We can afford to spend more. Uh, Very interesting. You remember the two cities called Sodom and Gomorrah? That God destroyed, remember that? Unfortunately, they're only known among most Christians for one sin, which we keep on trumpeting. And we say, oh, it's because of their homosexuality that God just got upset with them and destroyed them. Do you know that's a poor understanding of Scripture? Don't turn to the book. Let me read to you from Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49. And it talks about the sin of Sodom. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, prosperous ease, and did not aid the poor and the needy. Let me repeat Sodom's sin, pride, excess of food. They were a gluttonous people. And God destroyed them for all of these sins. But gluttony was one of their sins. And you know what was another one of their sins? When they had so much, they didn't take care of the poor and needy. You know... If God is a just and fair God, do you think this nation could be accused of some of these sins? Pride? We think we're better than other nations? Excess of food? Not caring for the poor? 
So, it's the sin of the wealthy. And so I want to make sure I know I've taken the air out of the place this morning, or maybe God has. But let's make it a little personal. I do want you to do the next survey I have, because I just don't want to be doctrinal and teach you information. And this is just for your own sake. Uh, I, I want you to work with me and check that line there I have for you. Ask yourself the question, whether you are overweight. Don't compare yourself to someone else because uh, if a person is six foot eight, he's allowed or he or she is allowed to have some weight. Do you know how to figure out whether you're overweight or not? Do you know uh, uh, what BMI stands for? What is BMI? Body mass index. Do you know you can work that out and find out what you should be based upon height and all that fun stuff? Here's another thing that I want to work with you to understand what it is. Do you know the size of your stomach? Ladies, let's start with you. Whatever size you are, the size of your stomach is, uh, wrap your fingers into a fist. Do you know the fist is the size of your stomach? Men, at the most, it is two fists. That's what your stomach really needs as food. Okay? Now ask yourself, do you really eat that much? Do you know how many calories you and I need for a typical day? Take a guess. 1,200, so says the doctor. I thought it was 2,000. It's about 1,200 calories. You want to live healthy, folks? One handful and about 1,500 calories is good enough. Now do you see where our problem is? We, are, we eat more than we need. We take in a lot more calories than we need. And we'll... So the first question for you is, are you overweight? Let me talk about a reverse sin because I have to talk about it. Maybe we don't have this problem. I can only think of maybe one or two people that I want to ask them, do you have this problem? You probably know who they are, but they're probably not. Let's not get personal. Some people don't eat enough. Do you know that? Because they want to maintain a very slim profile. So what do they do? Not eat enough. Do you know that sin? So the sin is not whether you're overweight or underweight. It's whether you're feeding your body what you need. And just because you want to look nice, you don't sin against your body and eat less. And you know that some people in the world have a problem with that. They they do all kinds of silly stuff just so that they don't retain food. Okay, you got that checked? And it's only for you. I'm not checking your paper on your way out. Secondly, do you exercise? Healthy living means exercise. Do you intentionally exercise? And these are very simple. I first thought I would give it a score sheet of one to five. I said, no, it's not this complicated. It's either yes or no, right? Here's my another question for you because I got away with this for many years. In spite of all my sin, my pressure 
cholesterol, uh, all those controllable levels were under control. I didn't have to do anything. God's given me a DNA that works well in my benefit. But what have I found over the past couple of years? My blood pressure is going up a little. My cholesterol can go up. And I call those as controllable levels. Even a certain amount of diabetes can be controlled with food and exercise. My question to you this morning is, are your controllables intentionally where they ought to be? Yes or no? Now, some of you need to be on medication, and I'm not putting you in that category. But if you are someone who can control a lot of your health levels, uh, are you intentionally doing so? What do I have to do, knowing that I have a propensity for blood pressure to go up? Stay off those chips that have a lot of salt, right? That's intentional. So are you doing that? Yes or no? How about this one? I eat even if I'm not hungry. Do you binge eat? And again, I'm not talking so much. I'm not attacking you. I'm talking about myself. My problem is my study room at home is a little away from the kitchen. The rest of the house is on that side. I have to negotiate the kitchen to go to my office. And I know where the things are in the thing. So if you right now, unless someone cleaned the kitchen counter this morning, if you right now go through our kitchen, there's a yellow little bag filled with all kinds of chocolates. Don't look at my wife. Betty Jo's looking at my wife. No, it's not her responsibility to clean it up. But I'll tell you how it came up. How it came up is this Monday... Uh, we celebrated 29 years of I proposing to Elizabeth. So, I know that's very cute. <laughs> but so what I did is I got, I got her flowers. And you know what she got me? A bag full of a variety of chocolates. So every now and then when... Every now and then when I walk by, all that I do is just take one. And on the way back, another one. I don't need it. But I'm very sure, especially there's one that has nuts and chocolate. Do you know how many calories one of them would be? I eat two of them, I'm probably done for my calorie count for the day. And all that I'm saying is, unless you intentionally are cognizant of these things, these become actually things we laugh about. And we live with it and we think there's nothing wrong. So if you do that, do you eat when you're not hungry? Yes or no? Here's something that I really want to challenge all of you this morning. Is one of your motivations, when we listen to this topic, is one of your motivations how you look? Let me explain that. Let's say you're one of those people who exercises and eats well. More power to you. You should be mentoring and helping the rest of us. But let me talk to you first. Are you doing that because you want to look good? If so, you just made it about yourself, right? If so, that can become an issue of pride, it's the blessing of good eating and healthy, but I hope it's not about how good you look. On the other side, if you're someone who, who has a problem with weight, 
Do you beat yourself based on how you look? If so, you've got a wrong perspective on the body. Because again, as I'm going to say, it's not about how you look, how much weight you carry. It's are you doing something intentional about it? What is your motivation? And so to maybe three-fourths of us, my challenge for you and I is get serious about this sin, do something about it, and I hope your motivation is, no, it's just so that I can look good. No, it's much more than that. It's because you are the temple of God. It's because you want to be healthy, useful, and someone in whom God can say, irrespective of what your weight size is, you bring glory to me because of how you are responsible being a good steward. It's about being intentional. Having said that, has food become a drug? And for a minority of people today, unfortunately, food has become a substitute for a lot of things. You get upset, you eat. You get happy, you eat. You get lonely, you eat. And it brings you a lot of satisfaction and pleasure. If so, it's become a drug. But yes or no, and you're done with that for yourself. And my question to us this morning would be, if you have one or two Uh, would you acknowledge to yourself you are in sin? If you're overweight and you're not doing anything about it, you're sin. If you don't exercise and it's causing you to become unhealthy, you are sinning. If your motivation is you want to look good or keep the way you look and it's all about you, you've sinned. Let me put this in perspective because I want you to know the problem is not with food. God created, I am so glad God created so much food. Think about it. What was the problem with the people in the wilderness? What were they? They were eating the same stuff. And what did they want? Give us some meat. And scripture says they grumbled so much there was meat, they didn't floss. There was meat in between their teeth when they were grumbling. How pictorial scripture can be, right? It says with meat in between their teeth, they were grumbling. Uh, Food is a good thing, people. In fact, in the Old Testament, God invites feasts for the celebration of the harvest. Do you know in the book of Revelation how the whole history ends? You are invited for the supper, the banquet of the Lamb. Think about it. It's called a supper. There is a place for food when it comes to celebration and also building relationships. In fact, this morning after service is over, I'm going out with John Mamble and Emily because I made a promise to the kids that if they sang with John that song that John led, the mad song, if they did it, I would take them out for lunch. So we're going to celebrate that. I'm going to keep my promise. And because I've had time to think about my promise, those of you who are coming out with me, guess what we're going to drink at the restaurant? Water. We are not touching sodas because water is good for you. So 
Here's my point. There is a place for celebration. There is a place for eating and feasting as long as it is in moderation. You're with me? Do you agree with me? I didn't think I said anything that was not in the Word of God. Let me give you some solutions. You have to do something about this, folks, and you know this. Practice discipline in eating and exercise. You've got to trick yourself. In other words, give you some, some, and there's a lot of material on the internet. Number one, if you have a habit of taking too much to eat, what can you do? Give me some suggestions. If you are struggling with eating in terms of quantity, do you have a solution for that? I'm sorry? Smaller plate. That's the one I was going for. Do you know that people take in terms of the size of the plates? Take a smaller plate. Secondly, tell yourself only one trip to the table, right? And if you can't control yourself, find someone in your family who'd be lovingly reminding you that's enough. There are ways to do it. You're intelligent as long as you and I want to do it. Practice a discipline. Secondly, and this is the one that's very close to my heart, because I grew up in a country where we didn't have enough. Don't waste food. Whether it is eating too much, and one of the things that actually does get me angry in America, even with Christians, even with people in this church, you waste a lot of food. Thoughtlessly. What you haven't finished, you just throw it into the garbage. Do you know this wonderful thing called refrigerator? We do it in our home. There are times when the children can't finish what they can. You know what the rule in our home is? We'll put it aside for you in a, in a bowl, keep it in the refrigerator, you eat that later. You cannot afford to waste food when half the world is dying of starvation. It's a sin. And unless you realize it's sin, you will live and not change a lifestyle. Do you enjoy food? I do. Do you enjoy cooking? Let me give you a ministry that's in the Word of God. Practice hospitality. Remember, I'm always saying food is a good thing. There's a place for food. Do you know all through Scripture, there are so many indications of people who used food as a hospitality? Second Kings chapter 4, great story. Elisha was a prophet. He was an itinerant prophet. But it talks about a Shunammite lady who was wealthy. She had a nice house. She cooked well. And you know what she did? She invited Elisha. And any time Elisha went past that way, guess where he stayed? He stayed in her home. She cooked a good meal for him. What she didn't realize that is God would use Elisha later in her life because she had no children. And Elisha prayed for her and she had a son. But she practiced hospitality. How about Jesus? Do you know one of the things Jesus was accused of? He was called a? A drunkard and a glutton. You know what Jesus did? He hung around people and he ate with them. Food is a good thing to build relationships. Almost, he was not a glutton, but because he ate with sinners, they just put that label on him. Jesus did miracles with food, didn't he? 
So I want you to have a good perspective of food. Now here's where I'd like to teach you something that we don't do too often. Listen to Isaiah chapter 58. And it talks about hospitality. It says, Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor, you know where? Into your house. When you see the naked, to cover them and not hide yourself from your own flesh. That verse blessed my heart. You know, if you want to do a homeless ministry, if you want to care for the poor, guess where God expects you to do that? Not somewhere there. Not even in the church as a program. God expects you to bring them and feed them and clothe them where? In your home. And you and I know it. If if you invite someone to your home, what do you usually do? Share whatever's there. And I think some of us have, have a wrong view of things, not only like food, but also our home. Some of you think you don't have good homes where people can come because you're going to feel bad. What a shame. Your home is good enough not only for you, it's good enough for God, isn't he? If it's good enough for God, is it good enough for you to have someone over? Absolutely. It's not about food. It's not about what can you put out as a spread. That's where some of us have lost our moorings. If all that he can put out is a peanut butter and jam... A sandwich out, praise be to God. But you're supposed to use food, use what you have to bring people into your life, into your home. I believe our ministry at Nishamani would be revolutionized if we just practiced hospitality. Have people over at your homes. Invite your neighbor to. You will find God doing some phenomenal things through very simple ways, as long as you surrender everything to God, your body, your resources, your cooking. You might not be a great cook. Who cares? Do you remember what you ate eight years ago in someone's house? We make too much about good cooking and the way the house looks. Shame on us. It's a blessing from God. Use it to bless other people. And then finally... Here's my challenge for you. Don't be a slave to food. And here's where I'm going to challenge you. Would you try a fast? I'm teasing one guy in our church right now. And I've called him straight to his face. I love him that I can do that with him. I've called him an addict on Mountain Dew. Some of you know who he is. He's going through a rough time. Uh, the first time I met him, he had a Mountain Dew in his hat. He's got a Mountain Dew hat. Any time of the day I've met with him, there's always a Mountain Dew. And we joke about it. And so, in fact, it's someone else who challenged him much before we started on this topic to say, can you give up Mountain Dew for a month? Oh, he's going through withdrawals, and I love it. And I've challenged him, actually challenged his wife. I said, if he can stay off Mountain Dew for a month, tell me what the cost it is that he saved. I'll double it and give you a dinner certificate to a place out. 
You think it's a good deal, right? Now, don't come to me and tell me what you're going to fast and give up. (laughs) It won't work for me. But, But here's my point. Is there anything in your life that you've got into a habit of saying, I need it? Starbucks? Wawa? Dunkin' Donuts? I don't know what it is. It might be a bag of chips. I'm going to challenge you to start and say, would you try giving it up for a month? And every time you go through those pangs, that is the purpose of a fast. The purpose of a fast is not to see whether you can give up a food. The purpose of a fast is when that craving comes, you think about God. You invest in that. And when I do do a fast... And I forget about God and stuff like that during the day. Suddenly when I feel hungry, you know what I immediately remember? Oh, the reason I'm fasting is because I need to dwell on God. Would you do this exercise for yourself? And it's less about food. It's about whether you can invest spiritually. And I think you'll come to be blessed because when you fast... You'll think about God. When you think about God, invite the Holy Spirit into your life. When you get filled with the Spirit, things will start to happen that you didn't know could happen. Try a fast. You will not die. Nothing's going to happen. At the most, you're going to save some money. It might be the start of a new thing in your life. You know, I've intentionally... Chosen myself to be the focus of laughter. We've talked about this. I've wanted to be lighthearted because the truth about this sin more than any other sin, we can recognize that we're wearing it, aren't we? You take one look at my stomach. You're going to be kind to me, hopefully. You're not going to make a comment on me, but this is evidence of my sin, isn't it? As much as you nod your head about me, there is evidence of sin in this congregation. Do you want to change? Change because, folks, there's no nice way of saying it. It is sin. God hates all kinds of sin. Stop making excuses. Stop covering up. Like I said, you know, I covered up for many years. Loose clothing, put a jacket on. It's a denial of the truth. You can fool yourself, you're not fooling God. And in most cases, you're not fooling other people. Repent, it starts with that. Unless you call a spade a spade, it doesn't work. Unless you say, yes, I am in sin and I'm embarrassed about it. I want to give you the confidence. Think, remember, someone's winning over your life, isn't it? Is Christ winning or is Satan winning? You have to look at it that way, black and white. But I want to leave you with hope and encouragement. And that is, you have the Holy Spirit, who is much better than Jenny and wait, all those things. They're good things, use them. But the Holy Spirit wants to do something for you. Find a friend. You probably need someone who's accountable. Someone who can give you a kicking on your backside. But do it in love. And I want to encourage you this morning, especially those of us, and I include myself, who are young. 
Do you want to live another 30, 40 years in healthy living? You can do something this time. It kills the spiritual person. It kills the body. It is a sin. Let's pray. Father, I hope uh, this morning we would see the seriousness of this sin. And I deliberately put myself as an example because I'm not here to hurt anybody's feelings or make them feel ashamed or bad. But this is a sin in America. This is a sin among Christians. And this is the unspoken sin that we've ignored. So I do pray for this. If It's never crossed our mind how upset you could be with us. And I'm going to pray, Lord, not only for me, I'm going to pray starting with the deacon board. The leaders of this church, may we be an example. And then for the people, may we encourage each other to good works. And for those who are strong in this area, Lord, I pray you'd move in their hearts to come alongside someone else and lovingly but firmly encourage them to do better. Thank you for reminding us that our greatest motivation is not how we look or what we want to look like. Our greatest motivation is that this is the temple of the Lord. You deserve better. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.